Welcome to another edition of Navigating Life with Coach Lowe. Today, I have an amazing friend of mine on with me. I have Mr. Ramel Gillian from Chicago. He is a limb bloom ego, very much so like myself. I know a friend for <laughs> over 30 years. This does not happen in real life a lot of the time, but here we are, Ramel, 30 years later. Wow. So today, Ramel is going to talk with us about the street life in and around the Chicagoland area, what his hand has been in it uh, in the past, and then what he is doing now to make a change in the city of in the city streets of Chicago. So I look forward to hearing all that he has to say, and I hope that you are too. Ramel. Hey, hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. You are most welcome. Thank you for being my guest. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I bring greetings from Chicago, Illinois. Uh, my name is Ramel Gilliam. Uh, I am a father of three amazing children, two boys, one girl, five grandchildren. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm a brother, I'm a son, um, and actually I, I'm just a, a, a guy who uh, comes from the inner city of Chicago who has an opportunity to uh, work with children who kind of, well not children, but young adults who come from the same kind of uh, mindset that I come from, um, so to speak, uh, you know. I think about I'm a, a believer. I'm I'm a lot of things, you know what I'm saying. And what I have what I have realized about myself is that transformation is what has really defined me. Uh, I have always uh, kind of fit in a box where you know what people thought of me, or even what I, I thought about myself. But I haven't until recently just thought about it but i've I'm, I'm able to transform and constantly change so i'm i'm constantly changing for the better <laughs> That's awesome that's yeah. awesome. So thank you so much uh, for just sharing with our audience who you are. We will learn a little bit more about your story as we move on. But I just wanted to, when we talked previously, you talked about a pivotal moment in your life. You talked about a number of things. You talked about the process of mm -hmm. getting to the age of 12 years old. So your parents were teenage parents. Then, oh, yeah. Then yeah, like, like most um, inner city kids, you know, we born to teenage parents. And um, like any parent, I had a great childhood, uh, loving mom, still have a loving mom, uh, loving father to the best of what he knew love to be. Um, and I believe that I have loving grandparents, you know, I had a loving, everybody loved me. <laughs> I did. And, uh, I think that's what you were pointing out was the pivotal point was like, 
I believe sixth grade, uh, 11, 12 years old, my parents and the family structure of my immediate home had broken down. And uh, my father had succumbed to drug use and street life. And um, he was my hero, you know? And like every child that looks up to their father, if they have the, the privilege of knowing their father, it, he's a hero. And I guess when he had failed off in the, the structure of my home, my mom praying and working hard, I didn't, uh, I didn't value those things at that point. I didn't value the sacrifices that she was making because my immediate world was shattered. So at that point, you know, I tend to, I guess you, you look for love in any situation, you know, so wherever you can get it. And with that came, peers uh acceptance became more prevalent. prevalent you know you know home structure i can go home and and wash the dishes and do homework and put on that front but i wanted to be love you know and we were operating i guess you know when i think about it everybody was going through trauma at that time with the breakdown of the family and we were trying to act like everything was all right. You know, the adults was, but I knew everything wasn't all right. But when I'm home, I was expected to act like everything was okay. But it was trauma there. And I searched for that love elsewhere that I wasn't receiving from my immediate home. And I was able to get a family of my peers and and actually people older than me as well exhibited that love and you know throughout life and 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 growing from a 12 year old kid and being in that extended street family is what i call it um we tend to be able to differentiate through time what real love is and what fake love is mm -hmm. and if you're privileged to survive that period you will be able to uh differentiate and god blessed me with the opportunity to have that time to differentiate and it <clears throat> it wasn't an overnight thing you know because these people you look at like brothers and, you know, really family because the way that you, they know what you're looking for at that, in the streets, they mm. have it for you, you know, whatever you look, come on. Yeah, come on. We got it. And it was a point where uh, I just got stagnated for so long because this is what I thought my life was was just gonna be with that street family and um i you know i my mother <laughs> through prayer or whatever she was able to 
distinguished when I had changed into the street person and it, it had conflicted with every rule and things that she was trying to raise me to be, you know, in that loving environment. She noticed that change and, uh, you know, like loving mothers do, she snooped in my stuff and found all kind of stuff that she was not supposed to find. Yeah. And those street activities led me to the door. She, you know, I remember like vividly her telling me that she had a dream or, or God came to her in a dream and told her that I had came to the end of the road at her house, you know, he into some stuff that, that you don't want to have no business in. And I was like, mom, are you serious? God told you that? She was like, baby, it's time for you to go. So Ramel, how old were you when this, when this took place? Uh, about 15, about 15 years old. And yeah, I was 15, but you got to think I was running with guys that was 18 to 21 and it just didn't mix for my mother who was my mother. She could, you know, I was able to fool certain people, but I couldn't fool mom. You right. know, she'd be like, hey, wait a minute. The, 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 empty your pockets, you know. I had one of those mothers who came from, you know, she, my mother grew up in the inner city as well. So she was able to distinguish when the change came about even more so than I could as a child going through the change. You talked about her, excuse me, you talked about her being the authority in your life. Yes. That should not be breached. I oh, love yes. that because there was somebody that was willing to stand against anything to fight yes. for her baby, you know, and, and that I just, as a mother, yeah. I heard that so loud and clear. And you also talked about, because there was more to you in your journey than the street life. You were an educated man and you still are very much so. School came very easily, easy for you, like you said, but because of all of the background noise on the home front, it gave you an opportunity to be away from your parents, but to act out of your pain. Oh How yeah. Understand. Well, uh, I believe, uh, my mom, through prayer and, and, and the strength of the ancestors, she was able to uh, ride me like a bear. You know, uh, she would know where, you know, she, I remember like as a kid, her telling me, don't go on Eggleston. So my thing, when I started going on Eggleston, every car that come around the corner could possibly be my mother. So, you know, I had everybody on alert looking for my mom, just like we was looking for the police and opposition. So my mom was, you know, fearless, uh, prayerful, uh, 
You know, I just thank God for even to this day for her fortitude. And I mean, at, at 15 years old, just the, the, the stuff that she had to go through. Now, I still had a little sister that was that she had to raise but my mother i don't know if even going to school my mom would come up to the school and no i just had a feeling that you was not here i'd be like what you mean you know so my mom uh even to this day you know um i thank god for her because uh she was able to just keep on me even when she put me out she still would come and look you know what i'm saying so even though i wasn't you know she still had a presence that she was still you know if i couldn't abide by her rules it was just she was not gonna be broken from the rules of a home and she didn't allow me to bring guns in the house and you know i would have to have stuff elsewhere because that was, you know, at that point, you know, people used to say, this is Jesus' house or, you know, and that's what it was. It was not going to be compromised in any way. And I thank God that she didn't allow me to, you know, manipulate her into, uh, you know, because most mothers with their sons are very... Uh, accepting and forgiving just yeah. open yeah in a way that's unhealthy but your mom oh, your, yes. your greatest accountability partner is what i hear you saying oh yeah yeah for you know just as 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 far as uh my progression even to this day i have to attribute a lot of it to her and her unconventional way of loving me because she knew who I was, even um, though I could, I could give a perception to the world. I mean, I was going to church with her, singing in the choir on Sunday, and street activity Monday through Saturday. You know, and serious, and be in the choir. I'd be, you know, I would be like, "Mom, where where are we going to sing? You know, where the church at?" Because I know. I would be doing things everywhere. You know, my terror didn't have a, a secluded place where we did terror. We went everywhere. And um, for her, and my mother was a teacher as well. That's why a lot of the education came, you know, the, 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 uh, the saying that the, the learning starts at home it that's so true because you know my mom had me uh doing all type of educational exercises i'd be like the teacher don't want book reports why do you want book reports <laughs> you know so yeah i i, I thank her yes yes that so. is so that's so awesome i want to kind of backtrack a little bit i want to rewind 
Mm -hmm. uh, because there were some things that happened that we didn't mention. We just kind of jumped in and started talking. But I want you to just kind of talk about the emotional challenges that kind of led you down this lane to gang activity, street activity, and the like, all the of the lifestyle that uh, came with it after the divorce of your parents. So when you talked about that home, that foundational breakdown, that is what you were speaking to. But I wanted to bring some clarity for the listener that needs to understand a little bit better that there were some things that happened that, uh, that affected you in a negative way and it caused you to look for the things that you should have gotten on the home front you looked for it from your street family yeah like exactly uh, um my once my father and my mother's marriage uh kind of went for worse uh that that created a uh, uh, a, a spirit in me where I had to transfer that hurt and pain. Um, you know, there wasn't anybody talking to me or, you know, even when they talked to me about it, how do you feel? Oh, I'm okay. You know, I'm, I'm cool, you know, but that was just on the surface, you know, so the, the, the the activity and 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 things that I did in the streets were actually praised and highlighted. You know, they love for me to act crazy at the park or you know wherever at the party, stop the party. This was something, and then it became so expected of me that this was just something that I, I automatically did, you know, without any thinking, you know, and um, it's just comes from a place where you don't have that, 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 that platform to talk to anyone about what's going on, you know, and um, not feeling comfortable to talk to anyone. Cause I do remember my mother, you know, trying to get me to talk to people and i'll be like oh wow and they'll be looking at her like he's fine like, what do you and she'll be like boy how do you fool these people right <laughs> the next time i can't you know because she would come in my room and go in the walls and see all kind of things that you know i didn't show the world you know what i'm saying until it was time my street family knew it, but my mom, you know, nothing like I'm serious. I mean, when I, the more that I talk about it, she was really influential in, in, in all of that because the streets, they praise the, the, you know, the nonsense. They praised it. And that was a feeling that I love. I mean, I wasn't getting praise at home. So I'm going to get the praise, you know. One way or the other, right? <laughs> yes, and that's exactly where we're at, yeah. Yes. So 
I want to talk to you about the rage that you talked about. You said that there was a spirit of rage that was so great in you. And I think that that was what you were just speaking to when you talked about um, you, you had to get that off of you, the pain that you were feeling. So yeah. the things that people would see manifest in the street life, this came from a real place within. You just didn't express it. You didn't want to talk to anybody and get the necessary help that you needed. You wanted to inflict that kind of pain on what you would call the opposition in the streets of Chicago. And 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 just to be honest, though, you know, the gang culture is is just as prevalent in in schools as ABCs and one, two, threes, you know, I mean, when we're young, you can recall, uh, I mean, I recall not officially getting in a gang until like sixth grade, but I was fascinated from the inception. Yeah. You know, they would come up around the school. You'd be like, who, wait, wait a minute. Why don't nobody say nothing to them? You know what I'm saying? Why everybody don't say nothing when they come to the park. You know what I'm saying? Who is these guys? <laughs> so, you know, and I actually had befriended a guy who was older than me. And, you know, with me being with him, it was a almost a form of protection. So even though my dad was on drugs, then nobody mess with, with Big Joe. He, he crazy. Right. So why wouldn't I emulate crazy Joey since that's who I'm with all the time? Right. And, you know, so, but I, it was just a balance. And, and, and Joey didn't have a problem. You know, he didn't have a problem. Or if it was a problem, he handled it right there. And that's kind of how, I learned to navigate without a father figure. Yeah. He wasn't a father figure, but he was a big brother who would come up to the school to get me, you know, he'd come to pick me up every day around the opposition. And didn't nobody say nothing to Joey. <laughs> I, you know, so I'd be like, oh, yeah, it was no question. I would be like Joey. You know, right. it, it was not a, please, it was not a second thought in my mind because I could go to the park with Joey. We went to the store. Didn't nobody take my body. You know, it was stuff happening to people everywhere. So that protection of Joey was something that resonated with me. And once he let me know that he was a a black stone. I had to be one. My daddy was a black stone and Joey a black stone. Oh, it was a done deal. <laughs> At 12 years old. Well, that's really that's interesting to make that kind of a life decision at the age of 12. Yeah. Yeah. You know, at and and at that point, you know, uh I was playing baseball. I was doing all of the other things that kids do. But unfortunately, in Chicago, uh, the gang 
lifestyle at that time was just so prevalent. I mean, even if you were not uh, in a gang, you you had a preference of which gang did you prefer because maybe if it was cousins or uncles or neighborhood, you preferred one gang to the other. And that was just uh, a staple in Chicago public schools because actually that's where I think the first interaction with gangs was, was that Chicago public schools. Wow. That's where you see the activity at, you know? Yeah. So, in the parks and things like that. So I uh you know, it's just a choice that was made, you know. Unfortunately at 12 years, and you make those choices out of peer pressure, but you know, it becomes a lifestyle. And it's, it, it becomes a real lifestyle, especially when the, the tragedies that come along with it, when you start losing friends and losing brothers and sisters, you know? So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's not normal. Yeah. You know? It's not normal at all. So these, all of these things, so, so let's, let's call it what it is because you talked about losing friends and your peers. Usually mm -hmm. you're, usually you're losing them to either uh, death yeah. or you're losing them to incarceration. Either yeah. way, you're losing people along the way. How much of that had to do with you choosing to transform at some point and wanting to take a stand against rather than standing for and with the nonsense? Well, Lita, you may want to uh, cut this part. <laughs> I actually, you know, it's unfortunate, but I didn't... Um, consciously just make that decision overnight. Like I said, these people are brothers and sisters that, you know, and through the death and incarceration, there's even more of a bond and connection that's formed, you know, because of the loss. And, um, you know, I didn't make the choice to just consciously uh, I just started making a change, I'll say. You know, the change came about, uh, it was, it. you know, it's just a gradual change, though, because even though I don't uh, participate in the activities, I still connect with the participants in yeah. the activity in 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 hopes and in, in of changing and and redirecting the the lives you know and um it's it's just a, a a privilege that god has allowed me the opportunity to try to to help my brothers and sisters stop the senseless gun violence you know because you know, at that time, 
when I chose, we, we kind of chose the lifestyle that we wanted to participate in. Yeah. And now I see, you know, and in my job, I'm, I'm constantly at, 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 at innocent people's funerals. Yeah. Innocent kids, innocent like babies that didn't choose that life. Right. You know, so that's a, you know, it's it, it it's it's like heartbreaking to me that to know that I made a choice for this nonsense, but God still gave me an opportunity to to survive. To now, I've turned 360 degrees. I mean, yeah, I'm a, you know, when they call me my, by my street name, I'm still, uh, you know, I still answer to it, but that's not who I am anymore. You know what I'm saying? But it still allows me that uh, gateway to reach those unreachable people. And, you know, it's, I, I've had some success stories, you know, I'm thank God, you know, for some success, even through the tragedies that I had, those ones that really changed that could be out here causing havoc, you know, it, it's worth it, you know, so every day is, is just rewarding being able to uh, reach the unreachable, you know, because they know me from what they may have heard of me by now, you know, cause I'm old, but at the same time, I still stay relevant for so long. And, and I've had good job, you know, I've had, God has always blessed me to work, but I still have a connection with my family. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's like a tribe, you know, wherever we go, we still connected. We, we had the same blood, but, the uh, challenge now is to get these younger brothers and sisters to see that we all in the same track. And yeah. with the tragedies that of losing loved ones at a at an alarming rate, you know, I don't want to feel like the job is over. You know that we got a lot of we just got a lot of work to do. You know. Yeah as a people and i just think i'm thankful to have this opportunity to be actually getting paid to do something that i would do for free yeah you know what I'm saying? i mean i owe it to them yeah for everything that i've done and and you know for the brothers that i get letters from or phone calls from that's locked up that won't be home and they hear about the work that i'm doing it's it's sad you know it, it it's satisfying even though the pay is not you know the best right. you know what i'm saying but it's satisfying when i when i go on the blocks that i used to terrorize and we able to to have uh picnics or or give away uh you know thanksgiving food or things like that of that nature so it's it's very rewarding at that point um so yeah, I'm thankful, though. I'm okay, thankful. so that's wonderful. So let's talk about um, the the pivot that took place. So you said you were around age 28, 
and mm -hmm. you were working in the Chicago public school system and you had never been formally addressed before except for in a courtroom by a judge but this yeah. day a student approached you by Mr. Gilliam and uh -huh. that did something for you on the inside tell us about that well you know Lo, I've always you know thought of myself and carried myself as a as a uh a man or a stand-up type of guy, you know, and uh, I've I've always worked jobs. I've always had a job. My grandmother wouldn't have it no other way. So <laughs> at this point, uh, I had I had just uh, actually transitioned from a job working at um, a place uh, like a Audi home type of place in in Chicago. And I had just got a uh, transform, trans, uh, went to be a teacher, went to work for CPS, and the young um, young guy called me Mr. Gilliam, and I was already, you know, they 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 had introduced me as Mr. Gilliam to the classroom, you know, I'm a teacher assistant, and you know, I I heard the Mr. Gilliam, I'm like, okay, you know, but once one of the young just came to me and they was like, Mr. Gilliam, can you just to hear that uh transformation, you know, for to be addressed as Mr. Gilliam in an admiration type of a way, yeah, was where it really began. You know, that's when I really started feeling like, you know. Wait a minute! I got to start changing my clothes when I come to work. You know, <laughs> it, it was like that because other than that, I was I was cool being raised, mold, you know, whatever else you could call me anything. But when they call me Mister Gilliam, I'm like, wait a minute, that sounds that sounds good, you know. Somebody, <laughs> I am somebody. Yes, yes, and you know, I think it was really more so not from my coworkers, but from the young man that I was assisting, you know, for him to address me as Mr. Gillian, I got it, you know, at this time, you know, a lot of times male teachers are not real prevalent in Chicago public schools. And he was a guy that was deemed like the worst, you know what I'm saying? You know, he really, they was telling me he needed a one-on-one, -on -one, you know, but at that time, you know, when I came in the room, I just was, you know, approachable. Mm -hmm. And for him to come and address me as Mr. Gilliam, you think you can, you know, I'm like, wait a minute. I, this is this is something that I'm more interested in. You know, I still would go to the block after work, <laughs> but I didn't miss days of work. Right. Nah, nah. nah I, I it was something bigger than me. That's that's when it, it 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 realized that I could do you know I could really do something more positive and and I like to be looked at in a positive light. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about that positivity. So we've talked about how you've grown up in your personal life. We've talked about the things that affected your decisions in the mid part of your journey but now we're transitioning into the positive side of how god used where you had been 
to take you where you're going, to understand and be able to connect and be relevant with the shooters in Chicago. So tell us a little bit about what CRED is and what it is that you do for this particular organization in Chicago. Okay, um, just a brief uh, thing. Um, Chicago CRED really works with the, the uh, population of young adults who are more likely to shoot somebody or to be shot. But in hindsight, we actually just work with, uh, I guess they would call them the at-risk youth. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and it's not so much as even the youth. They're young adults, you know. It's not an age limit with the, the gun violence that goes on. So, uh Cred takes a like a multifaceted approach to gun violence. They uh, we have an outreach component that goes out and 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 well, let me give you a a a, a whole rundown of it. Okay. Outreach goes out and they actually are targeting the groups where the violence is like outrageous so we're in uh roseland and we're in um north austin so the outreach workers go out and they go on the blocks and they establish a relationship with the guys by finding out if the guys have any educational needs uh you know there's a lot of guys that don't have the high school uh diploma so cred offers educational components and all kind of resources. So when outreach engages the guys, uh, they have to come in and talk to clinicians for like, I believe four, five different clinic uh, sessions with our clinicians for uh, over a period of three months that they go through outreach. And they're paid a stipend during this point where uh, they work on uh, all kind of just self-awareness uh, and trauma and just being able to self-regulate in, in all type of situations and, and uh, conflicts. So then they, after they successfully complete outreach, they moved into a component that's called programming that's a little bit more strenuous of a schedule. So here they're teamed up with life coaches and we have different vendors that come out. Maybe I can introduce you as a vendor as well to come out and, uh, you know, just do some empowering uh, techniques with just, uh, again, um, self-regulation because that's, a, a, a big component of being um, successful is just because you're going to have a little adversity, but being able to self-regulate through those adversities can help a long way. So, you know, and then I work at like tightly with the uh, employment and training um, process. This is where young men who have successfully made it through programming 
they go into a, a training where they they get training for soft skills and hard skills for another uh, six months with us. And then on completion of this process, we help them to attain um, employment with, with some of the partners throughout Chicagoland who have actually come in and want to give our guys and our uh, young ladies an opportunity to change and be productive citizens. So I work with a great organization um, as far as, you know, reaching out to have a wraparound service all. And even when the young men are, are from, go from outreach to programming to uh, employment and training, they still have access to all those resources that were in play prior to moving on to the different stages. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So if they need, I mean, they may need housing. We have so many different resources. I have to email you the list, but we have a lot of different resources for uh, our participants. I love it. I love it. It is so amazing how one could go through some things in life to uh, to to transition through that process so yes. that you are prepared to meet someone else where they are. Because these are not guys that, these are guys with a certain mindset. They're not standing for righteousness. Just like you were not in that space at one time, you are yeah. someone who clearly understands where these people are. I, oh, yeah. I, didn't, I don't feel like I could directly understand it, but because we come from the same place, we come from the same streets of Chicago, we've been touched by a lot of the same circumstances, I understand from a level, but I was never a shooter. I was never a game banger. I was never any of those things, but I was very closely connected. Oh, yeah. So those things inadvertently affected me. In our senior year, I lost my boyfriend to yeah. um, drug a, a drug deal gone bad. And yeah. uh, you were one of those people in my life at the raw age of 17 years old who stood with me. Yeah. I remember crying and you and Brian Evans would be walking me to my class and stuff. I'd be like, y'all gotta go to class. Oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah. we were there for one another. And so I just, I'm like, wow, look at, look at what God is doing. You know what, Lolita, just for you to uh, uh, just imagine, uh, you know, the, 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 that same trauma is happening, you know, it's affecting everybody. And that's another thing about credit. Whereas uh, they have services for, like, if if the young men that's in the program, they have services for the girlfriend as well, because the community, we all are affected inadvertently by gun violence. And it's uh you know it's a privilege you know and um it's just not normal for th these things to occur at the rate that is occurring here but uh 
I believe that we are definitely on the right road to uh, recovery, you know, because a lot of young men, you know, it's, it's, it's the same thing, like I said earlier, it's that love, you know, that's, that's kind of what it all boils down to, you know what I'm saying? Because even, you know, I'm sometimes I come in, into rooms and I look at the guys, I have to look back like, wait a minute, this, he looks like he been, it, you know, did, did he break out of jail? You know what I'm saying? That's the look some of them have at, at the introduction. Mm -hmm. But once the, the relationship is formed mm -hmm. and we do those soft handoffs from outreach to programming, from programming to employment and training, we become a family. So we kind of redirect the street activity and show these guys that it's another world. Yeah. We believe in you. We gonna get you where you need to be. What do you wanna do? What 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 is it gonna take for me to help you be the best that you can be? So with that and 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 not just being um an organization that talks about it, yeah, but we actually do come through. It's, it's, it's um, very, um, that's where the impact is made because, you know, they didn't heard all kind of things their whole life, you know what I'm saying? So for them to be making these strides and having that support system around them, it makes them want to be good people. So, you know, I do understand that, you know, looking at things, you know, looking at people as monsters because I was looked at as a monster at one point in time, you know. But like I said before, when I go back on a block that I cause a lot of terror on and they see that we really are trying to clean up the community, you know, right. not just the block, but we we really actively want to change lives and redirect people. So mm -hmm. that uh, that acknowledgement from the elders, whereas they used to look like, what is you back over here for? You know. <laughs> so it's it's a good thing now that they you know they don't call me Mister Gilliam. They still call me by my name, but. The conversations have changed so much, whereas that transformation is, it feels great. That is so awesome. I I, I just want to say thank you for the work that you're doing. Um, what I do know is that you have also you you work with a number of other egos. So there's yeah. Curtis, uh, there's Curtis, and then there's Nicole. And Nicole yeah. is a clinician. I don't know what Kurt does, but I am so very proud of the impact that you guys are making on the city streets of Chicago for good. For our, um, you, you know, for our young adults, it's, it's going to, back to what you were saying, the collateral damage doesn't have to be as extensive as it is. And so it gives us an opportunity to kind of bring down some of the noise so that families can uh, begin to foster and produce productive citizens. 
Oh yeah. You know, that's the thing. Um I'm I'm surrounded by uh so much creativity with these young men who have uh you know failed in a in a number of uh traditional settings, you know. But w- when they have that support to uh, and that per, you know that support and and love encompasses uh i mean it it it, it kind of ensures their success you know to a, to a point because you know that relationship hasn't um been formed with 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 any type of uh direction you know they actually raise each other you know what i'm saying so that's kind of where the fall off uh comes from a sheepish kind of um feel where they just kind of follow what the friend is doing but when individually uh engage and introduce to things i have like i'm proud to say i have one of my um participants has actually motivated me to go back to college beautiful because he's you know this is something that he wanted to do and we actively did it together you know so it's something that i wanted to have for myself you know and it's going to help me professionally. And it actually gave him a, um, you know, just that, that boost that having somebody to do it with him, you know? So yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's rewarding even with, with, with small steps though, you know, because I have one guy who just really stopped, uh, you know, he, he hasn't been, to jail in the last year and that's a big step for him yeah that we was bonding this guy out constantly you know what i'm saying so it's just the you know to to know that everybody is unique and dealing with each guy individually and having so many different because like i said i don't do it by myself i'm just a small small component to uh the work that's being done and um you know everybody you know we come together i'm in zoom meetings with teams after teams after teams and it's for different unique you know just for different people individual guys so we are uh i know we're making the change necessary and i just love to see uh guys reach goals and keep setting goals and and that's the rewarding part of it awesome well i just want to give you guys a hand clap thank you i want to say thank you to you for being my guest on today thank you for having me (laughs) you are you are more than welcome i gotta have you on again or a part somebody from your group or something we we've got to do this again so it is so amazing thank you for sharing your personal story and thank you for sharing with us how you've transitioned to impact lives for the greater good of the chicagoland area thank you so much 
Thank you, sister. All right, sweetie. I'll talk to you soon. Take All right. Care. Have a good one. All right. You too.